everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Horror Podcast. I am your hostess, Tessa Baker, and I am joined by my co-host, Paul Dorsky. And we are here tonight to talk with Caitlin Marceau. Hey. For you. Yep. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead and say hello, Caitlin. Hey, hi, everyone. Uh, so we are here to talk with Caitlin tonight for Women in Horror Month. And uh, Caitlin is a writer. Spooky writer. A spooky writer. Ooh. You are just looking over all of your various publications. Collection. Your Yes, your collection. It's quite extensive. So, Caitlin, why don't you tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself and um, what brought you into the horror genre? Oh, man. Okay. So, uh, yeah, horror writer for several years now. Um, I'm really fascinated with making Canadian horror specifically because I think when we when we think a lot about horror in general, it's really quick to think of, you know, American horror or British horror. So I'm trying desperately to create like a Canadian canon uh, for horror. Um, I used to, it's really funny, I used to hate horror. I used to be scared of absolutely everything growing up. Um I, and I mean everything, like we had a children's show in Canada uh, called The Big Comfy Couch with clowns in it, and I used to just have nightmares about these clowns for children. And then just eventually I was so tired of being scared of everything that I think I just decided I wanted to do the scaring. And that's kind of how I got weirdly into horror. I just became fascinated and obsessed with making everyone else more afraid than I was. That... <laughs> Well, yeah, <laughs> that's actually a really awesome story. I like that. Thanks. So, Caitlin, when it came to your writing, because you said your mainly everything scared you at the time, and then you wanted to be pretty much make the scariness come to us, like you know your audience of reading and stuff. What actually triggered you to begin to really want to start writing your tales? Did like did were were you taking like any type of class at the time for writing or something, and then, or did you read a specific book that pretty much made you go, hmm, I like this person's style of writing. Maybe I could actually write something of my own, or like how did how did what really made you have that writing bug? So I've been wanting to write since I was younger. I didn't necessarily know that it was going to be in horror at first. I um, I used to be absolutely enthralled with Tamora Pierce, and she was a young adult. Well, she still is a young adult uh, fantasy author. Um, so I actually went to school for writing. I went to Concordia University. Um, I studied creative writing there. And not too long before I got into the program, I ended up getting an internship at a local newspaper. So I was writing and, you know, working in journalism for a little while before I ended up making the change to horror. Um, it was really while I was in university uh, that I ended up getting into Stephen King, uh, reading a lot of Bentley Little, and then I specifically found Kelly Armstrong. Uh, she's also a Canadian author. She writes a lot of horror specifically, um, and all of her work or the majority of her work tends to focus on strong female protagonists. And I thought that was really cool because instead of having, you know, these final girls who are, you know, being hunted by these monsters, a lot of her, a lot of her heroes were the monsters. Um, and I just thought it was a really cool concept and I just, I couldn't stop reading them. I, I, to this date, I think I own every single book or story she's published. Like it's absolute madness. 
Um, and that was really the inspiration to be like, okay, if, you know, if she can create this amazing dynamic world with such rich and relatable characters, then there's no reason that I also couldn't get into this too. Um, so while I was in university, I, you know, I, I sunk my teeth into horror, if you will, um, and started, you know, working in that industry and getting published before I graduated, which was the coolest experience ever. Wow. Yeah. And it's, it's good, too, that you were mentioned in, like, a specific author because, you know, that's usually how most people find someone or something or whatever it's it be. like a role model yeah like a role model because you know their words or somebody's way of directing a film or something like just speaks to you in a way it's just like you know just grabs your attention and just kind of doesn't want to let go because it's just fascinating to you and it could just be really just the way they you know, like I just said, the, the word jump at you, or it could be just the way that this person had this way of shooting this dark scene, but there's, like, lights coming through, but, you know what I mean? Like, it's like yeah. that, that so, so suspenseful, suspenseful uh, stuff or whatever it is that really grabs a hold of you that makes you just go... You know, I really like this person's work, and I just love the way the camera work is, or the just the way they just make books or whatever. I could go on with the same goddamn sentence, so I'll just shut up now. <laughs> I think my only regret is that I wish I had, because my mom, my my mother, and my dad growing up, they were both really into horror as well. Um, <clears throat> my mom especially loved Stephen King her whole life, and she tried to get me to read him. Uh, long before I finally did pick up a book. So I just wish I had, you know, read his and then eventually found her stuff earlier um, as opposed to waiting till I was older to discover it. But, you know, it all worked out in the end, I guess. <laughs> That's great. Um, so what was your first piece that you ever wrote and what inspired it? Oh, um, okay. So it was actually the story called Stuck um, and it was published in Sanitarium in oh my i forget the year 2000 something it was when sanitarium was run by uh barry skelhorn um and i was taking a creative writing class with trevor ferguson and he led one of the classes by saying you should never start your story with your character waking up um that it you know it it, it took readers out of it it was like a lazy way of starting a story and i disagreed <laughs> i decided that I mean, I don't think he's wrong. To this day, he's probably one of the best authors I've ever read or had the the fortune of learning from. But I wanted to challenge this idea that there was a hard and fast rule of what you could and couldn't do with a story. So I wrote Stuck about this. Essentially, it's this woman who wakes up dead. She, you know, she laid down on the couch the night before and she passed away. And now it's early morning and her alarm is going off and that sort of gets her attention. And she very quickly realizes that she can't move and she's just very literally stuck in her body. Um, so she's, you know, she doesn't really have any agency in the story. She's just kind of a, I mean, the story happens to her. I wouldn't say she's an active agent in the story. And it's cool because you get to see her life unravel really around her and all these relationships she thought she had developed and fostered over her lifetime. Some of the ones that she's given up are maybe some of the ones she should have held on to. Uh, whereas some of the people that she made space for in her life turn out to be 
less kind and forgiving. So that was pretty much the inspiration for that story. And it's probably one of my favorites still. Funny that you should mention it. And that being your first story, because I actually was going down your list of all your publications, and that's actually one of the things that I clicked on, and I was actually reading it before we called you. And it says that it, you did it back in August 20th of 2017. Yeah. With the alarm clock and the, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was actually reading that one. Yeah. It was written earlier. It was written, um, I think it was published in 2017. It was written while I was in university. So it's a pretty old story. Uh, it was probably my first attempt at horror, at like really trying to, to get it out there. Yeah, because it shows up, on, it stuck the Wicked Library. Yeah, they, they produced an audio version after it was published in Sanitarium. So that's June 2015, yep. Stuck was also featured Sanitarium in Sanitarium yep. Magazine, number 19, print and digital, March mm-hmm. 2014. Yeah. Kind of old. I do have to say, from what I've read of it so far, uh, and I'm, of course I'm going to finish it, <laughs> um, I, I have to say that I, I really do enjoy your writing style. Oh, thank you. The way that you, the way that you portray horror. Um, so, so yeah, um, I really like it. Um, I was also looking at a couple of other things that you've appeared in, or you've been a part of, um, like the Shadows of, Shadows at the Door in Anthology. Yeah, it's, that was probably one of my favorite projects that I've ever gotten the, the privilege to work on. Would you actually like to talk about it? Yeah, sure. Um, it was just a fantastic project. So Shadows at the Door is, uh, run by this uh, gentleman named Mark Nixon. Uh, currently, he still runs Shadows at the Door, uh, but he's since developed it into a podcast as well. It's like an audio drama. Uh, they're now working on season two. Um, but at the time, Shadows at the Door was just a website that essentially published ghost stories um, for people around the world. And he decided he was going to make an anthology, uh, a printed one. Um, he was trying to strike a, you know, a, a balance of authors, so he didn't want it to be, you know, a male-dominated anthology. He really wanted to get everyone's voice, and he wanted authors from, you know, all corners of the globe. Um, and I got really lucky. He he had heard, of all things, he heard stuck on the on the Wicked Library, and then he got in touch with me after it and was like, "Hey, did you maybe want to write something for this book?" And of course, I jumped on it because that's like the coolest question someone can ask you is, "Do you want to be in this book I'm publishing?" Um, so I, I said, heck yes, uh, worked on that. And then he, um, had asked my opinion on a few, you know, other pieces that were in the, in the book. I gave him some feedback and then he actually invited me to, uh, co-edit along with Chris Holt and himself. Uh, and that was so much fun. That was a really cool project getting to work with all these wonderful authors. And then I believe it was November of 2017. Uh, he had a big launch party for it in Newcastle. Uh, in the UK, and I got to join them for the big release. So that was really fun. That sounds really exciting, actually. It was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it worked with, you actually had a few titles, actually, for uh, Shadows at the Door, because at first I thought we were talking about Run, and then I'm looking down your list again, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I see one called Infected. I see another one called Hunger, and I see another one like Run. 
And then I think there was another one too. So clearly, was this? Was this? I can't really quite tell from the list, but was it like a monthly anthology thing that was being published, or, or no? So the so there was a website that would print um, horror, like ghost stories and horror stories. Um, so Infected and uh, Hunger, as well as Stuck, had first appeared in, like, the early issues of Sanitarium. So, I think yeah, I think it was 1921 and then, like, 23 or 25 that they all came out um, back in 2014 or 15. And then uh, later they were reprinted uh, on the website, Shadows at the Door. And then when I got invited to uh, do the print anthology, I wrote an original story uh, called Run that had only been published there. And to this day, I, I haven't, you know, let it be published anywhere else because it was just for that project. Um, and that was a really, really fun story to write. Um, it takes place uh, in like the 60s in Montreal in uh, a neighborhood called Point St. Charles, um, where my father grew up. So it was really, really cool getting to go through the history and um, his experiences growing up in that area and kind of, you know, combing through his own personal adventures for inspiration on a story that I wanted to write there. I have to ask, do you have a favorite piece that you've written and why is it your favorite? Ooh, um, oh man, I don't know if I have a favorite piece. I always feel like I do and then I think about it and I'm like, no, I really don't. Um, I liked Run. It was a fun experience to write that story, especially because I did get to, you know, learn a bit more about my dad and the neighborhood and, you know, a bit of Montreal history, which is really cool. Ooh. Ooh what was that? Based on true events. <laughs> um, I uh, also really enjoyed working on No Filter. And that was published by WMP. It was my first attempt at doing a co-authored collection of horror. It was in a book called Read Only, a collection of digital horror. And I wrote it with uh, M. Regan, who I got to meet on the Shadows at the Door project. It was just a lot of fun. Oh, there it is. Yep. The Read Only, you said? Yeah. Okay, that's why we can't really see, we can't find it on your thing, because all we see is read only a collection of digital horror. We're, like, looking for the name that you just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, we found it now. Hmm. So oh, I'm sorry, you... I seem to be lagging. It's all good. You're fine. Um, so how did you get involved with Sanitarium Magazine for your works? So for the first ones, the earliest pieces was uh, Barry Skelhorn. I just saw a submission call and ended up sending in the first piece, which was Stuck. And he seemed to like it. So I sent in some of the others and he really liked them. And I was very fortunate that I got published by him. That's amazing that he liked your work so much that he just kept publishing them. That's great. Yeah, it was really crazy because it was... Like I had said, my first attempt at really getting into horror. Um, and so uh, it was it was wild to get essentially back-to-back -back acceptance letters into this print publication. I like that. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you, do you still have a copy of it at all? Or do you just... Oh, yeah. Did you frame it? I, uh, I didn't frame it. I've 
become one of those people who now has just a bookshelf and one shelf on it is just reserved for anything that I have, you know, been published in or that I have released. So it's really cool every year to see it get a little bigger. Mm. Wow. Well, I also noticed, too, in your long list here, uh, I need to scroll down, of course, but we see that you did a film called Follow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did that a year and a half, two years ago. 2017, yep. Yeah, <laughs> oh, so almost three years now. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? So yeah. how, how was that for you? What was that like? So that was a really cool experience. Um, it was my first attempt getting into filmmaking. Um, up until that point, the genre, the or rather the medium, felt kind of exclusive. I didn't have any background in film studies. I didn't have any expensive camera equipment. So the idea of putting a uh, putting a film together seemed impossible. It was, you know, one of those lofty goals that felt out of my hands, you know. Um, and then I ended up speaking to my best friend, uh, Georgia Papoulias, who helped co-write and co-direct the film with me. And essentially, we decided that it would be really cool to film a movie entirely on social media. Um, that's why it's called Follow a Social Media Horror Event. We ended up recording everything on smartphones, specifically iPhones, because that's what we all had. <laughs> um, and we ended up writing the script so that the story would take place over three separate uh, Snapchat accounts. So there was an account for the victim of the film. Uh, she's this woman who is an Instagram star. She's an influencer, or not so much Instagram, but more Snapchat at the time. Uh, there was another account that we filmed it through, and it was uh, not really a rival, but this, you know, this this girl who knows our our insta famous, you know, starlet. And then we had uh, finally the killer's account. So he's essentially stalking our protagonist all film long. Um, and it was, you know, one storyline that converged on three different accounts. Um, at the time of the release, it was really interesting because we filmed everything live. So the audience was basically watching the story play out in real time. And eventually, you know, once after Halloween had ended, we ended up editing all the footage together and releasing it as one short film. Now, since I don't know where we could possibly watch it, but just out of curiosity, did you film it more like a found footage type of deal, or was it more like a trying to be a traditional shot-wise? No, it was definitely, um, it wasn't so much found footage. Uh, it also wasn't traditional. It essentially took place on social media. So each of the characters, um, you know, if you go on Instagram or Facebook, you'll see like an individual story and it's them going about their day and like, you know, recording things for their followers. Yeah. This is how the whole film was done. Uh, so it's almost like a, uh, if you've ever seen it, like an unfriended type of thing. And uh, what would the other one? I think there was another one, right? Um, or maybe yeah. a friend of Dark Web. I don't, I don't remember. Exactly. It was like that, except, I mean, because it was all on mobile uh, phones instead of, like, a, you know, a webcam, they, the characters were able to interact with each other and, you know, venture outside of their homes. So at one point, we have uh, the protagonist and, like, the girl she dislikes. They end up meeting each other, and they're both recording each other on their Snapchat stories at the same time. So you see the whole film basically playing out live on social media. Oh, wow. 
Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wish we could see that just to see how it plays out or whatever. Well, yeah, it's right now on YouTube. Oh. Oh, it's on YouTube, though. Um, we're going we'll to have to check it out. That. Yeah, we'll have to yeah. check yeah. it was, out. It was edited together after it had been released. It was um, put out on Halloween, and that was done live across the social networks. And then after Halloween had ended, we, it took us like about, well, it didn't take us. It took our editor, uh, Sterling Azure Tipton, about a month to edit everything together and, you know, get it all, all fitting the right aspect ratio for YouTube. And then we uh, uploaded it a little while ago. Yeah, and isn't it always fun? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I did not have to deal with that. You're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to tell us about uh, Caribou Chronicles? Oh, yeah, so that one's not so much horror. Um, it's an, a, a rural fantasy story. It's very Canadian, like it's painfully Canadian. Um, and it was co-written by myself and Chris Holtz. And he is the most British of men. <laughs> so essentially, it's just this comedy fantasy that takes place in the middle of nowhere, Canada. That's very interesting too because i tried clicking on it and i'm like uh it like brings you someplace else it's so weird it's it's like well i don't know if i'm understanding it but it's like it's like go shopping and then no definitely not okay so then yeah like the address is like all messed up because it takes you to like a shopping page or whatever just you know Oh, good to know. <laughs> yeah, so when you click on the Caribou Chronicles, it takes you to, like, a shopping thing. Oh, annoying. Yeah, I would like, um, okay, maybe this is supposed to be, like, a sh- fashion thing that she started? Uh- <laughs> oh, my God, no, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't no. It could it. honestly just be that, for whatever reason, the link is broken. Um, but it's a book that's on Amazon. Okay. I have to look it up on Amazon then. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do that then. <laughs> but yeah, just so you know, you might want to fix that link then. <laughs> <It's now. laughs> um, we noticed, uh, I think it was last year, you did publish, I think it was you published it, you can correct me too, um, it's like Canadian Dreadful. Oh no, you... you I definitely did not publish that, but I was published in it. <laughs> Yes, I see it now. Yeah, I just corrected myself. <laughs> yeah, century or center ice or something like that. Yeah, so uh, that was a story I wrote for uh, Canadian Dreadful um, from Dark Dragon Publishing, and it's essentially a giant collection of Canadian horror from a bunch of different Canadian horror authors. Wow, yeah, there's definitely a lot of what um, there's. I see. Oh, wow. You're in the book with uh, Nancy then, too. Yeah, Nancy, Nancy Kilpatrick. Yeah. She's uh, also from Montreal. Oh, uh, yeah. And, uh, and uh, one of our uh, one of our friends actually just interviewed her on the show, too. So she, does, she sounds like a really nice lady. And, uh, wow. Yeah. I'll have to check this out now, too. Jeez, um, books, books, books. I yeah. swear. Yeah, we have we have an ever growing horror library. So let me so let me ask you this then, Caitlin. Is there are you gonna publish your own stories in a book? Ooh, that's actually a really good question. Um, I would. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I 
I have a collection that I'm working on right now, but I don't want to self-publish. <laughs> That's so much work. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping well, to um, approach. Yeah, depend on your approach. Yeah, I still don't want to have to deal with it. <laughs> well, Paul helped me because I actually write poetry. Oh, nice. Paul actually helped me with setting up to publish my my book through, what was it, Lulu? Lulu. Yeah. So I have a book on Amazon of all my poetry that we went through Lulu to get me published. Oh, nice. Yeah, because they, they do the self-publishing route, and quite frankly, I don't mind doing all the work, but I, I would just rather be able to keep everything in my name rather than, you know, selling my soul to somebody else. That and is very I, valid. <laughs> yeah. So I like to, I would, I wouldn't mind having all the control for me. So that way I know what's going on versus somebody else. Trying to change your vision. Yeah. Trying to change your vision that I specifically want. So, which Paul also writes, uh, poetry too but his is darker yep oh nice yep um, I, don't, like I don't think I'd want to self-publish I ended up so after um, Barry Skelhorn uh, was tired of sanitary publishing I ended up uh, purchasing it with a couple of other colleagues and we ended up running it for about a year and the publishing was so just exhausting that I don't think I'd want to do it again <laughs> uh well, it, it, I guess it's not for everybody. You know, no. <laughs> I, 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 don't know. I don't know what to say to that. She, she might be. She might like it better for somebody to do all the work for her. Which you know, some yeah, people are. Some like people that. are that way, anyways. But it's not. It's not like it's a bad thing. It's no. just like everybody is different. That's all. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I mean, self-publishing can be honestly great. I think it's a really wonderful way, too, of diversifying the writing that's out there. Because if you're just going to these, like, literary giants who are controlling everything, then you're not really going to have diverse voices or even just diverse genres of literature. Um, I think there's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on in publishing, and that is horrible. <laughs> but at the same yeah. time, I think just spending the last two years dealing with it, I, I'm putting a break on myself. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, like I said, it is what it is, and I know self-publishing isn't for everybody, but some people would like the idea of self-publishing. Oh, for sure. It's, hey, honestly, whatever, it is great. Whatever, yeah. Whatever folk their boat, is what I yeah. said. <laughs> now, I just noticed this on your list, and, I, and I'm curious if there's a specific reason for this, is one of your stories called Conqueror. But it looked like the O's are like zeros, and it was in a, I'm assuming like an audio drama of some sort called, from the Wicked Library. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're definitely meant to be zeros, not O's. <laughs> hmm. A clever way to do a title. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Well, the entire story um, essentially takes place online, and it's about these gamers um, and one of their handles is Conqueror. So they'd have like that alternative spelling to it. Ah, oh, I see. Clever. That is clever. Thank you. 
and it was it was probably the one of the more experimental pieces I've done because uh, the whole thing is in second person, so Ooh. your story is being dictated to you. <laughs> I really wanted whoever was listening to it to be able to embody that character and get in their mind frame. And I think all too often when we think of gaming and uh, just video games in general and gamer culture that we, a lot of times we associate it with just men. And I hated the idea of writing the story about this just generic guy who is playing video games and, you know, getting miffed online about it. So Fair enough. Now, let me ask you this. I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this question. I'm hoping it's not a dumb question. <laughs> no <it>. dumb questions. <laughs> But have you thought about taking all of your stories that you've written and combine them into one book? I have. No one's asked me that question, first off. <laughs> Aha. I've definitely thought about it, yeah. I I might eventually. I mean, there's there's no reason not to. Because I would still get that. Yeah. I would still get that book just so I could just read like all of them. <laughs> Not that I wouldn't go out and, like, get all the books that you're already involved in or whatever, but... That's a lot. That's a lot of <laughs> yeah, books. Yeah, that's an investment. <laughs> if we can even track them all down, too. So. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, uh, that's quite the collection if you do that. <laughs> and, speak and speaking of, uh, I, if you said stuck with your first one you ever wrote, so now I'm curious about what is stuck part two, which was, uh, Printed or published, um, published it looked like as a digital version for Stuck Part Two in the Women Paranormal magazine. Oh yeah, it was. It's still that story, but um, for the sake of their page count, they wanted to do it into two sections. Ah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Definitely no sequels there. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, it, it it ends with a pretty final note of something happening to her body. <laughs> Yeah, it does. yeah, I was looking yeah. at that too. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it hard to come back from that. <laughs> yeah, I would say, <laughs> meaning a, a very uh, sizzling end. Um, <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> so, can you tell me? I'm kind of curious. Can you tell me a little bit about Mr. Perfect from oh. Paranormal Magazine? I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, oh man. So this one is just. Uh, it is a short horror story that was written um, for a live performance of the Wicked Library, and then it was picked up by Living Paranormal. Um, it's also, I wouldn't say it's one of my first ones, but it is one of my earlier works, so I don't necessarily know if it holds up to maybe some of the other stuff that I've written in the last couple of years. Uh, but essentially, the whole story is just, it's based off of this neighbor that I grew up with that we used to call Mr. Perfect. Um he was determined to have the best yard, the best lawn in the back, you know, the best uh, front door painting. Like, it was nuts, this man. So uh, that's kind of what this story is about. Oh, so he's like, uh, he's got like wicked OCD, has to be a perfectionist, everything has to be a certain way type of deal? Yeah, like he's one of those finicky neighbors that you don't want to move next to. Like, he'll raise your property value, but he'll make your life hell? Yeah, not my yeah. company. <laughs> no. <laughs> we were so happy when he moved away. Hey, can we all stay barbecue tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the next door. I mean, uh, 
Um, it'll be in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I see another one I'm curious about. Uh-oh. Um, Full Moon Run. You had it published in Sanitarium Magazine? Yeah, it's one of my uh, older pieces and probably the only poem that I've ever had published. Really? Wow. Yeah. It's um this big experiment in form poetry. Uh, so the whole thing is about this person who's, you know, they're a werewolf, so they're transforming during the full moon. Um, and so the form of the poem itself, the words, the spacing... All of that is supposed to reflect their physical and mental journey during this time. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, so I kind of, I kind of want to like get it and like read it. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> apparently, it's currently unavailable. Currently, it's going to be so. Actually, all the sanitarium issues um, are being released in the next year again. Um, once sanitarium changed hands from Barry Skelhorn. Uh, all of the back issues of Sanitarium were unfortunately taken down. Um, and even though Sanitarium Publishing is no more, the old back issues are ideally going to be going up in the next year. Um, but that's out of my hands, and that's in the hands of Ian Sputnik. He's the gentleman in charge of that right now. Well, I would love to at least read that poem somehow. Feel free to let me know when I can uh, email it to you later. <laughs> oh, I would, I would love to read it, yeah. Yeah, just email it later, and I'll uh, shove it down Tessa's face. I mean, uh... <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> uh, it's not that long. I don't think you'll have to uh, work too hard through it. Oh. Oh, that, that's, that's okay. You can you could always tell Caitlin how we met and how I murdered you in the bathtub, so... Yeah, we'll get you that later. Oh, oh, yeah, that's a funny story. So how Paul and I actually met was um, we met through a mutual friend of ours. She's a photographer. And I was um, experimenting with trying out modeling. And Paul was also um, there on the same day working on something with our friend, um, Allison, who's the photographer. And they were planning to do, like, a Faces of Death. Yep. And um, I was actually Paul's murderess. I murdered him in the. I murdered him in the bathtub with a double-bladed fantasy axe. My own double-bladed fantasy axe. Thank you. Yes. Well. Your own, I murdered you with your own axe. That is a decision. <laughs> That's right. We have photographic evidence of this. I was supposed to get murdered out in the snow, but the rain took all the snow away. So then it can't, had to come to a plan B. Oh, the bathtub was actually the bathtub played out quite nicely. <laughs> so that's actually how Paul and I actually met. Very romantic. <laughs> oh, yes. I slayed him. Quite literally. <laughs> waka waka. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. That was an interesting day for sure. Yes. And I'm going to say, I'm sorry, listeners, that you've already heard the story probably a few episodes back, but it's okay. We wanted we wanted Caitlin to kind of hear a little bit of our backstory of. So, Caitlin, my question to you now is, what's going on with you currently? Are you writing anything? Do you want to write another film to do? Uh, what can we expect for you in twenty twenty? Oh man! So twenty twenty's already been kind of a wild year. 
Um, other than being um, a writer, I actually uh, am a tattoo apprentice. So I've been kind of doing that for a while now um, and getting more and more into art and trying to experiment with horror in general. I've kind of set my sights on possibly writing a graphic novel this year. No idea if I'll be finished it this year, but I definitely want to dabble in that. Um, I'm also working on a young adult um, fantasy novel. Uh, still not horror, but I'm really excited to play around with the genre. I think there's a lot that um, young adult novels offer, well, young adults and audiences in general. Um, and I'd love to try my hand at it, especially since it really was Tamora Pierce and fantasy that got me into writing in general. Um, I am, like I said, I am working on some short horror for this year. So not sure when those are coming out. I know I have a story. Um, it's supposed to be coming out this month. I'm not sure if it's already out yet or is, is coming out soon. Um, but it's from Deadlight Publishing. Uh, it's in the collection called Not Just a Pretty Face. And I'm really excited for that one. Um, it's one of my favorite stories. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that anthology to come out this month. And a really exciting project that I'm working on that I cannot wait to release uh, is actually a podcast called Fedorable. It is nothing to do with horror. It is not remotely related to that. Um, but it's going to be looking at essentially uh, different kinds of online cultures um, and cultures in nerd spaces and their interactions with women. Um, and that should be coming out later this spring. Uh, it's with a really wonderful co-host. I'm not going to give his name out just yet in case he's keeping that under wraps for now. Um, but you could essentially find the profile uh, on Instagram at neckbeardfancy. <laughs> I'm quite intrigued by all of this, and I can't wait to see what you come up with. Thank you. And speaking of which, uh, for the listener to Caitlin is, where can people keep up to date with everything that's going on that is coming out and want to know future updates and whatnot? Um, there's always my website, uh, CaitlinMarceau.ca, but I would be lying if I said I updated that as often as I should. <laughs> um, your best bet is to follow me on social media. I'm really active on Facebook uh, and Instagram, somewhat on Twitter, uh, and my handle is just my full name, so just Caitlin Marceau. That's easy enough then, and I'll make sure to have the links for the episode uh, note down below so people can just click on them and find you that way. And Thanks. if I don't do it, then people, you need to just get on me and say, hey, the wings are not there. What the hell? And I'll be like, oh, <laughs> I am so sorry. Let me fix this right now. It's pretty easy to find me, honestly. If you just hit me up in Google, I think I'm like the first who pops up. I mean, why not? I... <laughs> easy enough. Yeah. There exactly. we go. <laughs> Do you have anything else, babe? Um... What does uh, women in horror mean to you? Diversity. It's a huge opportunity to diversify the authors that are out there. Um, I think a lot of the time when we think about women in horror, uh, it can be the same authors over and over and over again. Admittedly, I find 
I do see the same authors talked about every year, which is good though. I, I think it's nice to see these people getting promoted, especially, you know, the ones who, you know, work hard and keep writing. But I also think Women in Horror, like this particular month is a great opportunity to encourage new writers in the genre and get more women to write horror. Um, we deal with so much in our daily lives, you know, 2020 and the world in general, it's kind of on fire and a bit of a garbage hole right now. Um, so what better way to celebrate that than with actual scary things from a group of diverse writers? Um, I just think, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity to get people engaged in the genre, to get people writing, to get people having these conversations, um, and to have more people taking up more space in media. I think that's so important to have different voices out there. I could not agree any. With you more. Yes. I, 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 for some reason, I almost really wanted to be like, I cannot agree with you anymore. Just like, wait, what? <laughs> Why do I want to say that word? Some, sometimes I have to finish his sentences and like convey the words that he's trying to convey. Yeah, because my brain just likes to just say things, and then afterwards, after I say them, I'm like, why did I just say that? But... <laughs> I don't think we all really know why we open our big mouth sometimes and just say the wrong thing, and we're like, oh, <laughs> that's not what I meant. I live that. <laughs> but is there anybody, too, Caitlin, within the women in horror that really inspire you, encourage you, that you look up to as well, like within the horror genre? Yeah, I mean, a bunch of them. I'm, you know... Like I said, I love Kelly Armstrong. I think she's probably one of the best female horror writers out there. I love that she's also, you know, Canadian. I think that's, again, so important to grow the Canadian horror canon. Um, Gwendolyn Kiss is super cool. I got to work with her on Sanitarium, and she's come so far, so kudos to her. Um, Nancy Kilpatrick, another Montreal author. I will always celebrate that. Um and uh, Jessica McHugh, she always has a bunch of cool books that are coming out. I feel like she's always doing something interesting. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, she has a book of blackout poetry that is coming out soon. So that is a really exciting time for us. That looks and sounds amazing. <laughs> well, it's her, so it will be. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that you would recommend to us or um, our listeners? Um, to check out. To check out of whether Yours it be, you know, general. book, film, music, whatever. Ooh, uh, oh man. I mean, feel free to read any of my things. <laughs> no, but well, I probably, there's actually a couple of really funny horror books out there that, like, I discovered not long ago and I cannot stop reading them. Um, but one of them is called uh, World War Moo and Apocalypse Cow. And they're hilarious and still somewhat scary. So definitely check those ones out. I completely am blanking on the author right now, but they're funny. They're really enjoyable, and they're still kind of scary. Um, I haven't seen any great horror movies lately, so I don't know if I'd have anything to offer on that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I right now I can't stop watching The Witcher on Netflix, so that's sort of my <laughs> inescapable... Your binge go-to. <laughs> yeah, I can't no. stop. I don't no. know what's wrong with me, but I've, I've already seen the full, like season that's out and that hasn't stopped me from rewatching the season again that sounds like me with penny dreadful i keep meaning to check that out and i've still never seen it 
Uh, oh god, I've watched the series like three oh, times god. over, and then Paul actually got me the the complete series for what was it? My birthday? I don't remember. I didn't I, I forget it. exactly, but he ended up getting me like the full series on DVD, so now I have that at my disposal. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also, um, if anybody misses Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like if anyone is a fan of that, there's uh. Like, so Boom Studios, or Boom Comics, I think it's Boom Studios, though, they do, like, comics, like, individual issues that have been coming out for a while now, and they just had this giant Hellmouth event through, like, the new Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel Comics, and those are wicked fun if anybody, you know, is pining over the old, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hmm. I actually really like them, actually. We actually, I don't know if they were this past year or last or year, like, the year before or whatever, but we actually had a um, uh, free comic book day thing where I think they did, like, a crossover between Firefly and Buffer the Vampire Slayer. You remember that? Yes. Could we grab a co uh, copy of that? That was actually quite interesting. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, Caitlin, um... I can't think of anything else, but is there anything that we have not let you talk about that you would personally would like us to know? No, just tune into Fedorable when it comes out this spring. <laughs> yeah, so you hear that? Do it. The spring. <laughs> Do it now. And it's Fedorable? It is Fedorable. Mm. That's a very interesting title, too. Yeah. It is. <laughs> so that means keep up with Caitlin here by clicking one of the links below if they're there, which I hope they're there, because I'll make sure they're there, and we're done there. All right. <laughs> That's a lot of theirs. Don't mind him. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you guys so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, of course. It was a pleasure having you. I'd love to talk to you again in the future with uh, when you do more of your projects. Yeah, okay. definitely. Just Looking forward to up, it. Just knock on our Skype door and be like, let me in. <laughs> I, I bring you more horror. <laughs> I'll bring you more goodies to talk about. Ooh. <laughs> and then we'll just be like, all right, let's do this. Nom, nom, nom. Got my popcorn. We got soda pop. Let's do this. What we got intrigued for us this time? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> uh -huh. I, I will definitely let you know uh, what, I, what I think about your poem. Please do. And I will also let you know about, well, we will both let you know about your 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 film that you directed. Yes, follow. Which, follow. Uh, which don't forget, listeners, apparently it's on YouTube. So go it check is, it out. It is, yeah. If you check so, out uh, Follow a Social Media Horror Event, it is on YouTube. Aha, yeah, you heard it from the there source. You go. There you go. <laughs> And there should be a link for that as well in the description, too. So, like I said, I'm going to do my be damage to put everything... Ugh, God! Put everything down in the description below. God, For, like, God. the third time he said that. I hope you guys heard it. <clears throat> everything will be down in the bottom. Meow! Okay, so far. <laughs> okay, I think they get it. Meow? Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh, goodness. Well, that's all the time that we have with Caitlin, because otherwise we could just keep rambling on and come up with other crap or, uh, that... We could pick her brain more. And um, we don't want to exhaust her, because I <laughs> don't want to exhaust everything that she had done, because it's 
And she's probably creeped out right now by the fact that she's being recorded by everything. So everything, everything is watching. Everything <laughs> is watching her. <laughs> so don't forget that you are always being watched, Twistener. It's just like <laughs> I always say, but I'm not going to do it now because it's going to be creeping Caitlin out, and I don't think I've actually ever made it public of what I usually do when we test our mic. But it's a stupid, funny crap. But, oh, yeah, it's yeah. quite stupid and funny. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, uh, my name was Paul Dolsky, and I was the co-host for tonight. And I was uh, Tessa Baker, your hostess for tonight. Oh, smooth, smooth. And then we had our special guest, Caitlin Marceau. So thank you for joining us once again. Thanks again, guys. <laughs> And as always, everybody, make sure you walk your fucking door, go to the window and walk those two. Shut your shut, curtains. Shut your damn curtains. Make sure you, like, shotgun your alarm clock because <laughs> it will not stop ringing. And make sure you have plenty of ba body bag because we're going to have a barbecue at your next door. I mean, at the backyard. <laughs> so until next time, everybody. Stay scary. scary.